Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning. It is indeed a good and great morning because we all chose to be here today. I am Catherine Richer, licensed spiritual practitioner here at the Portland Center for Spiritual Living, and it is absolutely my joy and my honor to provide the spiritual message. And to all listening on the online podcast, or even listening to a CD of today's service, available in the bookstore afterwards. So we're closing July's theme on freedom. And you might be thinking, five Sundays on freedom. Wow, enough already. But I would like to propose to you that we never stop thinking about freedom, that we always consider freedom as we make our daily choices. Why? Because as Beth Kempton writes in her book, Freedom Seeker, that we read this month, freedom is the holy grail. We want to feel that we have the power to direct our own lives choose our path, and consciously manifest our own happiness. So today I will talk about freedom from a perspective of choice and self-love, how both are truly key to freedom, and how choice is supported through the creative process. And then I'll summarize, give you something to think about over next week, and close with affirmative prayer. So two Sundays ago, and also this morning, thank you, LaRonda. LaRonda, our amazingly gifted and insightful music director, sang a song she wrote called, I Choose. She also sang a song that morning whose opening line and consistent claim was, I love me. The combination of these two songs' messages are key to freedom, and they translate to this. I love me so much that I choose how I want my life to be. I love me so much that I choose how I want my life to be. This is the freedom found in self-love and choice. In Science of Mind, we believe that the universe, life, God, Goddess, Spirit, Brahman, Yahweh, Jesus, great creator, whatever you choose to call it, absolutely responds to our thoughts, which choices are through the creative process. And this process is embedded in our science of mind symbol. If you've ever wondered what that banner is on that wall over there or in the middle uh, picture here, that is a science of mind symbol. The circle represents that life is all there is. And it is absolutely everything. There is nothing inside of it, there is nothing outside of it, there are no boundaries, there is just kind of that line around the circle to illustrate a point. And at the top of that is the universal spirit we talk about, the infinite intelligence, the one mind that is individualized through us, the creative mind that flows through us. And at the center, where we have the horizontal lines, is really what we consider a receptive place, the receptive medium. It's subjective. It works whether we're conscious of our thoughts or not. And it is impersonal. 
So it always says yes. It doesn't say, eh, I don't think that's all right. It always says yes. So then at the bottom, the outcome is the conditions, the experiences, the forms in our lives, and we call these demonstrations since they are a direct result of our thoughts and our beliefs. Demonstrations strengthen our faith in the process because we see that it works. So this is how thoughts become things. It's simplified as planting a seed. You plant a seed with your thought, your choice, your belief into that receptive soil, which by the way, we do need to keep weeded out for it to be healthy soil. And then the outcome, the bottom, is the flower, the relationship, your health, your vocation, a car, whatever seed you plant goes into that creative process that works for everyone. So LaRonda's song lyrics are, I choose to be happy, I choose to be free, I choose to live authentically right here in this moment, free from the past. The choices I make set me free at last. So what do you think is a result of choices to be happy, to be free, to live authentically? Since a choice is a conscious thought, your choices do become your life. This is choice and the creative process. And this is why and how things, thoughts become things, and why choice is so important and key to freedom. So now picture, if you will, the shape of a big heart around that circle. This is the love that is you. It is love itself, expressing in, through, and as you. It's the big love. The words from the second song LaRonda sang that Sunday, I love me, and I love you too. So when you love yourself with the small s, you in turn are loving the self with the big s, that big love, and allowing its radiant expression through you. This universal love gives of itself to itself as you through what we call the law. The law of gravity, both at a physical and metaphysical level. The law of attraction within that creative process where like thoughts are magnets. Beliefs are like magnets and they become things. So this is love and it is a universal law. So freedom through choice and self-love supported by the creative process. We're gonna talk about choice and self-love a little bit separately now. Freedom Seeker is based on the one simple concept that feeling free is a choice. Beth Kempton defines freedom as the willingness and ability to choose your own path and experience your life as your true self. The willingness and ability to choose your own path and experience your life as your true self. There's a wonderful book called Elegant Choices, Healing Choices by Marcia Sinatar. And she writes about what she calls elegant choices. And she defines them as those options that are tending toward truth, 
beauty, honor, courage, honesty. In other words, choices that are life-supporting, both in motive, the why, and in quality, which is the outcome. They are life-affirming choices. The opposite choices, of course, are life-negating, and they're also self-defeating. So thinking of it that way is quite helpful if we pause before we make a choice and ask ourselves, is this choice life-affirming for me? Or is it self-defeating? We are so free to choose that we can choose bondage. And we can make choices that are self-defeating anytime we like. And every time we do make a choice that is out of alignment with our inner being, with our knowing when your gut starts to clench up, that infinite wisdom, we are binding ourselves up and we find ourselves in a state of self-imposed bondage. And we know bondage because of how it feels. It feels caged and heavy and restricted and drained, rather than joyful and light and open and playful even. Our feelings are indicators of our level of freedom. Perhaps we can call this feeldom. Right? <laughs> Combination between feelings and freedom, feeldom. What a gift our feelings are. Last Sunday, Marilyn Sprague talked about how sometimes when we claim something and we plant a seed of freedom, that which is unlike it shows up. And wow, can we feel that when it happens. A few years ago, I met a group of people who really loved stargazing and were super intelligent and fun and loved music, and I started playing Friday night jam sessions with their band. And in the summertime, we rafted and barbecued and boated and camped, and it was actually really a great demonstration because I had made a conscious choice to have fun and to feel free. And it was really fun until it wasn't until I admitted to myself that I was not fully in a place where I could express my authentic self. And that every time I arrived at an occasion or an outing, I checked my consciousness at the door to meet where they were. And what looked like, and at the surface really felt like freedom and fun, became actually exhausting and confusing and contradictory. This is my fieldum going on. And it was difficult to break away. So one night, really late after a jam session, I was in the kitchen with everybody, and they were talking. And as I listened to the conversation, I just felt incredibly uncomfortable because it felt life-negating, the conversation itself. And I realized, these are not my people. This is not my place. It actually hit me so hard, I kind of had to support myself on the kitchen doorway. And this is not a judgment of them at all. This is about me and about what freedom did not feel like for me. And so out of dedication to my own path and my desire to experience life as authentically as I could, I chose to, without drama, no drama, I, I left that situation and I set myself free. And you know what? The very next Sunday, 
Eddie Watkins Jr. was here and sang that song, I Walk Away. I'm walking away from the thinking that held me for so long. Today is the day I walk away. Walking away from the path that led to confusion. Today I walk away. Wow. Demonstration. So you might say, well, my situation is not because of me. It's so-and-so's fault I am not free. Bondage includes a belief that someone else has to change their behavior for me to feel better. One of Science of Mind's universal spiritual principles that we live by is that the only person's consciousness we can change is our own. We cannot, you can try, but you can't, try as you might, change another's consciousness. And that is where my friends were, and that's okay. Trying to control them or wish they were different or blame them for my own discomfort would indeed be bondage. So that type of bondage is nobody's fault but our own. Dang it, right? <laughs> Dang. And, you know, this, this path is not for wimps because we choose our lives and we can set ourselves free through choice. Ernest Holmes wrote, we have thought that outside things controlled us when all the time we have had that within that could have changed and does change everything and given us freedom from bondage. We have the option and the power to choose freedom, freedom from within. And when we do, the universe responds by presenting all sorts of new opportunities and people and situations to choose from. All of a sudden, there's an abundance. And so when I did leave that situation, of course, I felt sad. But soon after, I left that behind. I met a local high-performing musician with a very deep soul, and we're now great friends. And through him, I met another person of great depth and talent. And I'm re-entering the world of music and artists deliberately and meeting wonderful kindred spirits. I went back to the Rose City astronomers and met a kindred astronomer who loves sky watching. Everything was offered again anew. And so conscious, elegant choices equal freedom and joy and an abundance of opportunities appearing in ways and forms that we may not have ever even imagined. And it takes a lot of self-love to make conscious, elegant choices, which brings us to the topic of self-love. So I had been thinking a lot about, unless we love ourselves fiercely, that the eight freedom keys, they're really insightful and helpful, but difficult to use. How do we choose our greatest good without loving ourselves? How likely am I to choose a freedom key of adventure or playfulness or bravery or conscious living if I don't love myself? How likely will I choose nourishing relationships or a healthy lifestyle or kind thoughts toward myself or others if I don't love myself? I was thinking that maybe Beth missed this point. But on a last glance through her book, ah, there it was, 
One sentence in the whole book spoke to this, and she wrote, you have to practice self-love on an epic scale to feel truly free. On an epic scale. I think of standing in front of the Titanic or something like that. This means having an epic amount of self-respect, an epic amount of positive self-image, an epic amount of unconditional self-acceptance. Self-love means knowing that you are a worthy human being and beyond worthy to deserving and beyond even deserving to believing that loving yourself into freedom is indeed your spiritual birthright and I would say your calling. So I wonder how many of us were shocked at LaRonda's opening song line two weeks ago when she smiled and she belted out, I love me. Wow, and again and again, it wasn't just once. I love me. And you could tell she meant it. How many remember that? So did you feel discomfort? Like, gosh, how does she say that? How could she say that? How dare she say that? Or did you feel like, yeah, yeah. And how willing are you to say that about yourself? That you love yourself epically. I think that's a new word. I think I like it. Epically. So those who know me know of my love for the cosmos and how it informs my spirituality and my self-love, actually. And why? Why is this? Because I know that every one of our body's atoms is traceable to the Big Bang and to the thermal nuclear furnace within high-mass stars. Think of that when you look at the sun today. We are not simply in the universe. We are part of it. We are born from it. One might even say we've been empowered by the universe to figure itself out. Astronomer Carl Sagan said, the cosmos is all that is, or ever was, or ever will be, which is what the science of mind symbol is. The cosmos is also within us. We are made of star stuff. We are a way the cosmos can know itself. We are a way for life to know itself. That is how much we matter. That is how much you matter. So I ask you, how much more might you love yourself, knowing the scientific fact that you were in this particular form over 13 billion years in the making? It wasn't just poof. 13 billion years for you to be sitting here today as you. If you knew deeply that you are stars wrapped in skin, you truly are a one-time-around-only way for the universe to know itself. You are its embodiment, and you are perfect and whole, just the way that you are. All right, now some skids go on, because people say, oh my gosh, you might be saying, oh, I doubt that. <laughs> I'm far from perfect and whole because blah, 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 blah. I'm not good enough because blah, 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 fill in the blank. 
I am not deserving enough because I did this one time, or blah, blah, blah. I am not perfect. Well, in Sanskrit, the word for perfect, full or whole, is purna. And purna does not mean idealized perfection, but perfection that comes from something is fully itself. It's not idealized. It's actually what it is. And so you are fully yourself, and you always have been. And so why not redefine perfection for yourself that includes you as you are? And in that knowing of our perfection, of your perfection, you free yourself to love yourself exactly as you are. This is epic self-love. At the end of our Sunday services, we take each other's hand and we say together out loud, I am enough just the way that I am. And we mean it. We believe it for ourselves and for each other. And there is a reason that we choose this flock here to hang out with, which goes to the song that we heard, I want to see you thrive. And this brings us to the topic of flocks. Have you ever heard the saying, if a white dove hangs out with black crows long enough, its wings begin to turn black? Now, nothing against crows, of course. They're really super smart. But do you see what I mean? Have you ever hung out with a person or a group of people, and after a while you realized you were losing your center? You were drifting away from your desire to experience life as your true self? To live authentically, you were kind of living that way and you knew that it really wasn't yours. So the company that we keep has to reflect the integrity of who we are. Our insides match our outsides. If you think of the three people that you spend the most time with in your life, that's your insides. You need to change something so that the outside matches the inside, maybe. So the symbol that Beth chose for her book is a bird. And the whole theme of the book is freeing that caged bird of ourselves through freedom keys. And she dedicates a whole chapter to finding your flock. And a crucial part of self-love is carefully choosing who we spend the majority of our time with, our flock. Why? Because, she writes, there is an incredible power in freedom seekers like ourselves Uniting in vulnerability and openness, when we come together to support and celebrate one another, we build each other's confidence and everyone moves forward. The more deeply you connect with others, the higher you will all fly that lift, yeah? So this is why it's critical to find your flock and fly with it. So I've been friends with a a small group uh, here in Portland for about 10 years, and we've traveled a lot together, and we've gone out dancing and at concerts, and just in general had a lot of fun. You know I like to have fun by now. And there was always a subtle undertow of some pretty significant differences between us, and over time I felt it more and more. And the more I deepened, the more I developed spiritually, the more noticeable this rift became. So recently we drove along a segment of the Oregon coast and it was, it was pretty fun, but a few days into the trip I began to feel exhausted 
and drained by, uh, I kind of had to be the lead bird all the time. They relied on me for my navigational experience and pick all the hikes and, you know, kind of make all the plans. And also keep conversations at a surface level. And, I mean, we saw beautiful, beautiful, beautiful places. But something was missing for me. And that was my ability to authentically express myself, who I am at core. And I felt terrible. I felt judgmental. I felt like I was being curt, like I was being impatient. But it was like, you ever tried to keep a greased watermelon underwater? <laughs> it's like, you know, it pops up, you know? And it, that, that's me. I'm constantly seeking to expand and rest in silence and engage in deep conversations about spirituality and feel deeply connected. And it's exhausting to try and keep that greased watermelon under the water. So uh, I met a gal along the way at an Airbnb we stayed at who also was a star watcher. So we went out by ourselves to this great big field and watched the stars together, and we talked about spirituality and consciousness and really cool things. And she mentioned, um, she was also going up the coast of Portland, and she mentioned that there was a labyrinth made in the sand at Bandon Beach. I was like, huh, I love labyrinths. And I've walked many of them. Um, in short, they're basically uh, walking meditation paths that span thousands of years over many cultures. So uh, I didn't really think about it again since I was so busy navigating the flock. Um, I didn't really think about it a whole lot. Well, the very last day of our trip, I had picked a state park on the map for our very last rest break. And I walked out there, and there it was. I was at Bandon Beach, and there was the labyrinth. Massive, massive. I wish I could show you a picture. Intricate labyrinth in the sand. It was probably as big as a football field with scores of people walking on it. It was the most beautiful and grand and compelling labyrinth I had ever seen, stretched across that flat beach, fringed by the beautiful rocks at Bandon and waves on the shoreline, and I just was speechless and spellbound. So my friends graciously offered time for me to walk the labyrinth, and they went off and, and uh, explored other areas of the beach. And of course, you know I did. I had to. And after a period of, of just awe and just quiet, and you know, going to that place that we talk about here, leave the world as it is, walking those winding, spiraling paths, I released my feelings of shame about my thoughts and my behavior during our trip, which was mostly my internal voice. But still, I released my self-judgment, I released my judgment of them, and the need for them to be different. And I gave myself the freedom to choose how to spend time together, and if and when to spend time together. I just gave myself that freedom and recommitted to that choice of flock. So as I headed towards the end of the labyrinth, so there's an in on a labyrinth and there's an out. It's not a maze, you can't get stuck. You can even hop over if it gets too long. But um, towards the end of the labyrinth, there was a message that the creator of this labyrinth had written in the sand with a stick. And it read, we have been called to live in freedom. 
Use your freedom to serve one another in love. I literally danced off that beach, very light, very free, and very grateful. So the universe opened up for me when I made that choice and took that time to go within. So in summary, freedom is a choice, freely given. Epic self-love leads the way in making those life-affirming choices. All are absolutely supported through the creative process, resulting in our happiness and our freedom. And choose your flock with care. So an invitation for you to be thinking about this week. I would invite you to pause before you make a choice. There's plenty of time, right? No matter how small or large, and ask yourself, ask your inner self, your inner wisdom, is this an elegant choice for me? Is it life-affirming? Or is it life-negating? And watch how your life changes for the good with every elegant, life-affirming choice you make. So, please um, join me in a moment of prayer, a nice conscious affirmation. We can close our eyes. And, and as we do so, know deeply that there is one and only one, nothing inside of it, nothing outside of it, all contained in the one, the one life. It is the power back of everything, the entire universe. It is the presence, the divine spark, the inspiration within everything. It is the infinite intelligence and wisdom. It is that in the seed that becomes the flower that in the tiny particle that became the entire universe. It is this one life that expresses itself through an infinity of form, from the spiraling billions and billions of galaxies to our own sparkling Milky Way home, our perfect solar system and Earth, precious Earth, and all upon it and within it. And I know that this means me. I know that I am an individualized expression of life. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for everyone. I know that everyone is a unique, individualized, beautiful, perfect, brilliant, elegant, one time around only expression of life. 14 billion years in the making expression of life uniquely and perfectly through them. And so I speak my word for and about everyone claiming and affirming freedom. Claiming and affirming that freedom that comes from choices made from a place of elegance. Choices that are life-affirming, choices that are positive, Choices in people and situations and places and things. A willingness to choose that which serves their authentic expression of themselves. And I claim and affirm a self-love so epic 
and so big that there is no hesitation in claiming, I love myself. There is no hesitation in their knowing that they deserve their spiritual birthright of freedom. And this combination of choosing and loving themselves with epic love absolutely, absolutely results in freedom in ways that they could never imagine. But they give that over to the universe with its abundance of imagination. I am so grateful for the truth of freedom, to know that freedom carries us on its wings when we so choose. And in that gratitude, I release my word into that cosmic womb of infinite possibility, that expansive place that says, yes, my beloved, and you are my beloved, as you believe and as you choose, And as you think, it is my joy that it is already done. And in complete conviction and directed faith, I simply let it be. And we say together, and so it is. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.